you're not pushing the envelope if you're not failing. Continue to learn and challenge yourself and adapt. Welcome back to Sean's Journey to Value Creation. We're here again at Woodrow. How are you doing today, Sean? Very good, thank you. Good. I know the last couple episodes, first one, we did a good little history and backstory and introduction of you. Then we did history of Woodrow. And now I really want to get into your space, which is when it comes to succession planning, private equity, making the the purchase, and what kind of conversations mm-hmm. those look like. Now, I have never bought into a billion-dollar company before, so I'm going to be a little bit out of my depth there, so please pick it up whenever you'd like. But Woodrow was a family succession. And with 10,000 baby boomers die, or dying, with 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day, that's leaving a whole lot of companies kind of in this space. Yeah. So you've had experience in the in the private equity role before. When you originally looked at Woodrow, what did you think was going to be the succession play for Woodrow? Yeah. So they, they really had um, um, uh, a few options, but uh, one of them was because coming out um, from COVID was really they weren't getting the value that they had um, – uh, initially thought they they, they should mm-hmm. gain right after running the business for so long. Um, private equity really wasn't necessary, at least a lower middle market private equity potentially, but they would have really lowballed it, mm-hmm. right? Because that's that at the current financial, that's what it was. Um, so I offered an opportunity to keep them, make them whole based on pre-pandemic financials, mm-hmm. right? And so that was the way I I helped them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and your comment about the 10,000 um, uh, baby boomers every day. Um, uh, clear, I saw that in the medical field, right? That's when sure. I really learned that. And uh, and one of the things that we're finding, and I have conversations with other um, um, uh, owners of private companies that are looking to exit. And uh, what I really value from many of these folks, though, is one of the th- really compelling storyline I hear from them is, I don't want you to come in here and just lay off all my people. Mm-hmm. I want you to come in and take care of my people. So I'm looking for that person who not only gets, can understand the business and take care of it, but gets our culture and is willing to do something with our people. Mm-hmm. And they value that, right? So that's the thing that I think separates, for sure separates a lower middle market, a private investor like myself, mm-hmm. right? From a uh, asset manager, like a private equity uh, alternative asset uh, person. Um, on the large enterprises, uh, yeah, I was, I've been fortunate to participate in... Um, uh, at least three acquisitions in the last 18 months, um, multi-billion dollar packaging acquisitions. Um, the um, the um, asset managers were all, all, were all over $100 billion assets under management. A couple uh, dollars. A couple, couple of dollars, yeah. yeah just it's just here or there. What's a couple million dollars? Yeah, come get that from your bank account. Right. Day, right? <laughs> so, sure. so um, you know, it's it, it's been really fascinating. It's a different it's a different approach. I really, I really love their discipline mm-hmm. and how they approach it. Um, but you know, private equities is also under under um, in that arena, right? They're under challenge, right, to drive performance quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great um, uh, from that perspective. But they they'll pull a lot of different levers, and it's not always organic on that arena. Mm-hmm. There is some organic, but usually it's inorganic with more bolt-ons, right? Mm-hmm. Our approach is we always find we look for um, companies that we can um, drive value creation organically, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we'll look at. Uh, what's the combination of organic growth um, and inorganic? And 
I just don't, I don't want to cut you off or anything, but looking at, you threw a couple terms around, and I know that there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that probably understand what you're saying, but looking at what do you mean by bolt-on, organic, inorganic? Yeah. What do some of those terms mean? Yeah, sure. Thank you uh, for, for, for bringing that up. So organic is just, you know, that we're going to grow uh, through our natural evolution in the market, right? Mm -hmm. um, or our natural performance, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, the bolt-ons are that I'm going to buy acquisitions and add it on, right, mm -hmm. to try to grow the company, right? Mm -hmm. um, so rather than doing it myself in-house, we're just going to throw a bunch of things on it, right? It's like the buy versus build mentality. It's buy versus build for sure, right? And in inorganic is just that M&A piece, um, sorry, the, com the converse of organic, which is do it yourself, the buy build. Gotcha. No, that's brilliant. That's very good information too. Now, looking at what's happening across your experience, and again, you've been in the field for a very long time, those different plans, the so different successful planning. So you basically have, you you give it to an employee, you sell it to an employee, you sell it to, to a family member, which is what Woodrow did. You also have the low middle market, which I believe you called it, which was kind of the, the lower buy option. Then you have the big market, which is the hundreds of billions in trades. Am I missing any other succession plans in there? Is that kind of the, the comps of it? No, that that's pretty much. I mean, the employee piece would have been an option, except you know, frankly, I don't, um, I I don't think that was an uh, an area of opportunity that they could they could get to. Well, I think when you came in, you had the asset bank to reinvest in the company. Yes. So when you originally made that investment, that wasn't a small investment. No. I mean, we have a very expensive six digit machine, which we talked about the last episode. You installed new LED lights, and you're trying to bring that culture up. So that's risky. How have you mitigated that risk? Yeah. So. Really, it's uh, it's again having the, um, the 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 real way to do that is really understanding you know where you think the journey is going to take you right and having fortitude and confidence in that right so it is it is a risk but it's a calculated risk right mm -hmm. and so for instance as I mentioned um, in previous um, uh, episodes or sessions that you know we brought everybody back to work right um, when we didn't have the revenues. Right, and so that was a that was an expense that we added that you know cost us profitability, right? For sure, um, uh, but we did that to get everything going again, right? Um, the uh, the investment um, in the company, the investment in working capital, were things we did up front, but it sent a message on how we're going to manage and lead the company. It's brilliant. That being said, there's fear. There's fear. How do you mitigate that fear? Yeah. Or do you just do it scared? No, I mean the fear. So if the fear in the employees gets mitigated when they start seeing that you're act, you're bringing them back, that you're, you're investing, investing right? right? So that that's the one part. The real fear is in the ownership, right? Which is right. me, which is my financial capital at risk, right? And and then in the back of your head is your uh, spouse saying, "Well, you should have gone the corporate route." Yeah, you you had a CEO <laughs> position, you turned down for this, right? So, um, but you know, it's again um, the confidence and fortitude having. Um, Fortunately, been through several cycles with other um, businesses. Um, I saw the road. I knew what had to be done. It was a timing game, right? Mm. It was a timing game. And coming out of COVID, that was not necessarily the best time to to throw right. into a new adventure. So that also adds a layer of fear to it. Yeah. So I really want to talk about the mitigation fear for the employees. What was the initial? Uh, and let's actually go back to signing day. Did this all, was this a sit down meeting at like a coffee table in Starbucks to sign the papers? Was this multiple lawyers involved? What was that process like when you took over Woodrow? Yeah, I mean, let's just start from the beginning of that for a second, if you sure, will. Yeah, so, you know, there was a, uh, you know, they had, um, uh, you know, uh, gotten a broker involved, right? And they mm -hmm. were marketing it. Um, and so that's when the conversation started. Um, and the financials were abysmal. 
right? It was really uh, a, a risk, significant risk. And, and you're like, perfect. <laughs> yeah, like perfect, right? <laughs> Couldn't find anything better, right? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the challenge for the company, I just want to put this in perspective. And this is where I think, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but resilience and perseverance are critical, is that um, financing was not available, right? Their own banker of 35 years, a large um, regional bank, said no. They would not. They've considered them too risky to finance. Even though they've been together for thirty-five. years. Thirty-five years, wow. right? Think. I mean, that is that. They, it was un, unbelievable to me, right? It was unbelievable to the owners at the time, right? Oh, they sure, couldn't yeah. imagine. And so, we got creative, right? Um, I had to put up a little more capital, but we got creative, and uh, to make the acquisition work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would give um, credit to the um, previous owners for. Um, you know, keeping skin in the game with me, right? Having confidence in me, right? Um, to help make sure that uh, they were made whole. That transition, right? Love that. Now, looking to after the sign conversation, after you went through, what was that first day like when you walked in here and you're like, "Well, this is my baby now." Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's probably not for me. It was probably more for them. I would say, you know, we should probably get some employees out here and say, "Hey, what do you guys think?" You know, yeah, because sure. uh, but, you well, know, that'll, I, be, that'll be the fourth episode. Yeah, that'll yeah. be the fourth episode. You know, I tried not to. I, I have been accused of being too intense at times. I could, would not get that from so you. So I, you know, so I, I wanted to make sure I didn't come across and just get in people's faces, especially recognizing that small company, different culture, right, than mm-hmm. a big company, right. Um, and so uh, it was really, um, you know, more of just meet and greet, learn processes. I just wanted to understand more of the processes, right, what happens. I had some idea. You always have um, hypotheses, right? Mm-hmm. And now you need to test that. And so that's what I was doing initially. Um, I tried, I was hoping, you know, uh, very cognizant of not to, not to scare people because mm-hmm. there were a lot of concerns, right? Um, are you going to cut our benefits? Are you going to lay us off, right? And you came and you added hours. Yes. And, I, and, and their benefits were not changed at all. So all those things played in, you know, to gain credibility um, and to restore confidence in them. Mm-hmm. And what was, how long did it take to you feel like that happened? The... Well, I mean, from from uh, you know day one, we had a conversation with the employees, right? Employee meeting. Those questions were thrown out to me right off the bat. You know, what's going to happen to our benefits? What's going? And I told them we're not going to change anything, right? So from day one, we started restoring confidence mm-hmm. uh, in the employees. Mm-hmm. And then the first month, the first hundred days, however you want to do it, presidential versus quarter, however you want to look at it, what were those first hundred days like? What were some of those major changes? Yeah, yeah. So, so I I, t- I, t- I break it down to thirty, sixty, ninety, right? Sure, yep. And and but it's the same thing. The first hundred days, right? Uh, approach, um, and so I always say like you know first stop, right? Meet and greet, learn, right? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Understand the uh, current state uh, before you just start changing or you know test your hypotheses, um, and so that's that's the process that it went through, right? Uh, and then we quickly. Uh, you know, I quickly understood what needed to change relatively quickly, right? To to restore confidence. You know, luck. I'll be honest, right? Luck always helps. So we did have some tailwinds where volume started coming back. Good. Yeah. You know, post um, post COVID, um, and so that helped. Um, but we were still underwater, and so just uh, working with the customers was the, kind of the first lever. Um, I will tell you, there was a lot of um, fear, mm-hmm. as we'd use that word before, when the employees that we were going to lose customers. You know, there was no courage, right? And we had to, that's what I mean by restoring that and having some quick wins, right? To kind of, to, to show them that, you know, these customers, again, I'll come back to what I've said before, understand the value you create for your customers and that you should get a portion of that. You're entitled to that. You deserve that, right? 
you should expect that and you should have the courage to do so. I love that. And I'm hoping my audio engineer heard that as well, because I feel like every business needs to hear that. Yeah. And so many don't. So many think of it like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience them. But you're saying, no, I built this thing. I have the value. I'm going to get paid for that value. Yeah. But I need to articulate to my customer. And how did that conversation go? Uh, we probably need to bring um, David on next time, our, our salesperson. <laughs> there uh, we go. Mic him up real quick. Now, I, listen, um, uh, challenging, right? A lot of challenging conversations, right? A lot of pushback. Absolutely, right? Um, but I give credit to our team, right? And um, they, they, stead, they stood firm, right? Yes, we uh, worked with our customers in certain areas, right? Um, and we did it in phases as opposed to right away sometimes, right? Because the customers said, hey, we need some time. Those are all normal conversations. Um, I will say another thing we did, though, is we did punch, and this is all part of a normal transformation. Sure. We did punch holes in the organization by bringing some new uh, thinking in, right, mm -hmm. in, a, in certain uh, critical roles, right, that helped bring along the other folks that, you know, had been here for, you know, more than a decade or so, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, all those things helped um, sort of get it going. So how do you balance punching holes in organization, bringing new talent with the cultures that have been here for 60 or since the 60s? Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and so that new talent also has to build credibility, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the, part of the approach. And uh, we, the hardest part is if you, if you let go of existing folks to bring in new talent, that's a tough game, right? Just get buy-in. Um, for us, there was people retiring, right? So we were able to kind of make that happen oh, okay. quickly. Organically. It wasn't yeah. just like, oh, pff, here's someone else then. Okay, yeah. gotcha. It was probably going to go down that path if they weren't going to retire, to be honest with you, because the skill sets, it just, because at that point, they had become blockers. Right. Right? To change it. Yeah. Oh, incredible blockers. Mm -hmm. So then looking at what's been the result of those first 100 days? Yeah. So the first 100 days, um, we were uh, we were still unprofitable. Mm -hmm. We were on our journey to start making change occur. Um, the biggest change was internal, right? To get people to start doing things differently, to get people to understand how to price, how to go uh, have that conversation with customers. We really didn't focus on changing operations initially because you can only work on so many variables, mm -hmm. you know, especially in a smaller company. So we started on the commercial piece first. Mm -hmm. um, we did get to operations, which we can chat about in a few minutes. Sure, yeah, please. Um, and um, and we brought in, um, so we did the operations, uh, sorry, we did the commercial in the first 100 days, uh, continued on. Really, it took us about uh, a solid, I would tell you, it took us a solid uh, 12 months. Really? To really just kind of get through everything and really, you know, start seeing some real strong results then, right, on a run rate basis. Operations, about six months in, I would say, maybe five, we brought in outside resources um, mm -hmm. supported by the University of Dayton oh, cool. um, and the government, right, um, to uh, to come in and help us think through and uh, introduce lean, lean manufacturing, oh, right, nice. problem solving, et cetera. So it was, I think, uh, a nice opportunity for us to, to help our people see it uh, from a different lens and how people from outside would see the business and say, oh, well, you should consider all these other elements. Nice. So are you lean certified or Six Sigma or anything, or is that going to be... No, not yet. Um, I think for us, it's not so much that we have to be lean certified. I think just, again, permeating that culture to right. problem solving and, and teaching them the training and the toolkits is the biggest thing that I've seen work in my, in my experience. That makes a lot of sense. And now you said operations about six months, sales, the commercial side of it, that kind of played into it as well. Now where are you at? What's been the long-term implications of this? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I, in 18 months, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough that we uh, turned the business around it's a high-performing business now. We increased cash flow 9x. Um, Wait, 
Yes. Just a casual 900% yeah. growth in 18 months. I mean, if I can grow my company 10% in a year, I'm a happy camper. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we've been very, very uh, blessed um, with that, right? We, and, and again, good people, right? Good direction, right? Um, uh, good execution over the long run, right? And we're, and we're not done. That's the best part, right? We can rest our laurels now, but we're not done. You know, there's a there's a significant more growth opportunity on the cash flow, and there's significant organic growth, right? Um, we laid out after we got there. So we have a term we use, which which we said that you know we've are now earned the right to grow. We've earned the right to grow, right? And we use share that with all of our employees, you know, and our communications. And now, and so we've said, okay, we've grown. So let me add one more point on that, though, for a second, if I may, uh, to set the baseline. Uh, our revenues grew fifty percent. So a company that hadn't grown revenues in 10 years, flat, we grew 50% in 18 months, right? Cash flow 9x, right? You didn't ask me this question, but I'll tell you, 12x return on my investment. In 18 months? In 18 months. So are you going back to that bank that denied you? That's been a partner for 35 years. You're like, hey, so uh, it's really nice cash flow, right? I'm just going to go and set up at, at PNC instead of whatever bank. They call, go to my voicemail. <laughs> you don't think about them at all, right? <laughs> um, but but you know, um, for us, we set the direction for our employees now that we're going to double revenues in, within three years, um, organically. So what does that mean? That means that we're reinvesting in marketing. We're reinvesting in uh, which didn't exist. We got a new website that was done by our uh, by our by our marketing uh, partners. Um, um, we've got uh, new sales folks that we're looking at bringing. So we've got opportunities, right? With our current customers, as well as a tremendous amount of new customers, and in in just in the re area, it's amazing. Now, looking at you've done this before multiple times. Was there anything different in terms of the buy phase and the first hundred days, ninety days, eighteen months implementation? Is this kind of everything is going as planned? Is this the typical temp <laughs> template, or has there been some roadblocks? And no, I, I, I can tell you there were a lot of sleepless nights in the first, you know, that first those first six months because our cash flow was 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 weak. Um, and we were still unprofitable, right? And, um, you know, I started, you know, I had to uh, um, uh, draw on the line of credit, right, for the working capital because we just, we were out of balance on everything. The work, I didn't talk about working capital, but our working capital management was out of whack as well. So there are areas that you just fundamentally have to focus on that we did, but there were a lot of sleepless nights. And the, the challenge for me was, um, you know, I've done it before, but it was never my capital. Mm. This was now my capital, right? Mm -hmm. That fear. There's fear. There's risk. There's always that nagging um, thought in the back of your mind. Well, should I just have gone the other route, the CEO the CEO route, and taken on you know someone else's capital, and you know, and um, um, benefited from that? And so, um, I will tell you though. You know what's interesting? That you got a nine x. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. no, You're right. No, no, that's that's still blowing my mind. That is good. But you know who my biggest fan is now? Who? It only took thirty years. My wife. (laughs) I'm sure. You brought back a 12 times return on our investment. I'm sure she's a happy camper. She's a happy camper. But that was risk, right? There was a lot of risk. But you had the template. You followed through. Yeah, we do. And, you know, we're doing it again now, right? We're ready. We've earned the right to grow. And, you know, so we're doing the growth organically, but we're hot on the trail for acquisitions. It's fantastic. I think we'll cover that in the next episode. What's next, Woodrow? Any last comments you want to make about the transition? 
Um, no, I, like I said, I think the, the, the biggest thing I learned from this, right, was never give up, right? Because we were turned down many times for financing and told this is a risky pro bet, right? You got to believe in yourself. You have to understand fundamentally what's there, believe in yourself, and know that you, have the, you can see the opportunity. And you got the team buy-in. And you got the team buy-in. Absolutely. Brilliant.